Welcome, everyone, to a very, very special edition of the podcast today. As always, before we get into it, some very quick housekeeping. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Felix.Levine. I post little clips of all my episodes when they drop. Um, you'll see all the future guests that are coming on the show, and it's a it's a great way for us to uh, to interact. I've gotten a, a bunch of really cool DMs recently, um, so I really appreciate all you guys' uh, feedback and, and support. So please uh, follow me on there. And then if you want to watch the episodes, YouTube, search my name, Felix Levine. There you'll find everything in its full video formats. Uh, website felix-levine.com if you're interested in that there's also my email on there so if you want to contact me uh, I get some I get some funny ones every so often so uh, please make sure you you do that because I love hearing from you guys my guest today I am absolutely super excited to have her on for a third time she is my first three-time guest she is one of the most insightful and wise people that I that I know and that I've had on please welcome the amazing Christina Hutchinson. And we're live. Christina. Damn. I am uh I'm very excited to see you because A, we're a little late on our annual therapy session. Yeah. Lost about time. by about six months. Okay. I'm glad you remember. But that's good though, because then we have um extra heavy ground to cover. Childhood traumas to get over. So many. That's good. So we have an extra six months of that. Um it's great to see you though. You too, Felix. <laughs> um, You're growing into such a lovely young I, man. <laughs> thanks, mom. <laughs> no, but uh, genuinely, it's great to see you. And um, you know, I've been uh, past couple days just kind of binge watching and binge listening to uh, some of your recent um, specials. Oh, thanks. Yes, our special day on YouTube. Special day. Yeah, I don't want to. Spo- I don't want to spoil it. Oh, you could. You can. I mean, we've we've shown clips online. You can. Okay. I mean, don't don't like do a joke verbatim. I guess. I won't. Well, I, I, it wouldn't even be funny if I tried. But um, no, I I, I love the uh, the beginning with um another fellow cameo. comedian that makes a little cameo. Um, but the whole thing is great. So for people listening after this, go check that out. Yes. Or maybe before this. Yeah, whenever you want. Whenever I mean, you just want. check it out. And that's what I'm thinking too. We funded it ourselves. We paid for it ourselves, and we Corinne directed it. My comedy partner and comedy she, wife. Yeah, my comedy wife. Yeah, exa- exactly. We got comedy married. Just, yeah. um, our special day. That's the part of the theme. Um, yeah, it was really cool to do it yourself and not have to. Uh, I mean, no one else wanted us to do a special, so we're like, all right, that's yeah, cool. <laughs> we're gonna. And you forget when you want, when you have hopes and dreams and goals in your early twenties, and you're so hungry, and mm-hmm. you're like, this is what I want to accomplish by this date, and here's how I get it. And then you get older, and you forget. You still have to have that tenacity mm-hmm. of, of that that drive can't die in you. So you have to take rejection as like a all right, I'll, I'll go until I get a yes, and that yes is from me. <laughs> and I feel like, well, I think also, I think we're in a, kind of this new age, especially with comedians. Now, granted, I'm not a comedian, but I do follow a lot of you guys of, like, taking over your own content, making your own content, saying, like, fuck you to the big, yep. the big guys. Being at the helm. And uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like that's got to be empowering. Very, very much so. Because no one, you know, no one's going to be as, no one's going to deliver your genuine sense of humor as well as you will. And and how long did it take for it, like, once you guys recorded it to get it out? 
Ooh, really short. Corinne, oh, Corinne wanted to, um, she said she wanted to uh, to film a special by the end of 2021. So we managed to do it just in the nick of time at December. Right. Uh, but she brought up the idea in October. So we got on the phone right away. We brainstormed venues. We knew we wanted to do it in Salem, Massachusetts. That's where the Salem Witch Trials were. One of our touring shows was the Bridget Bishop Tour, who's the first woman to get killed during the Salem Witch Trials. It just had, the, the town has a fun witchy vibe. Um, and we have that show, the Dumb Bitch Woo Hour on our YouTube. So yeah, we're like, this is great. It felt, it all felt right. And we, we were the only ones that we had to answer to, which was pretty cool. And I think also what's cool now, also not to spoil it, um, is, uh, and this is something that I just genuinely think you guys are so good at cultivating in general is just such loyal fans. And like when you guys have this little segment where I won't spoil it, but a little interaction with the fans in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think like the way that you guys bounce off of each other and compliment one another. I mean, it's obvious for people that have followed you for a while that you guys are comedically intertwined. Yes. But I think we have it, like it, a twin it, it shows up it, it shows up super well in that. And um Thanks. and I think that yeah, I just think everything about it is so well produced and uh the quality Thanks. of the content is great. So watch it. Our special day, youtube.com slash guys we fucked without the you in fucked. There we go. And now, as we were just talking about off air, um, you guys are back on uh mainstream platforms yes so we're still exclusive to luminary but after seven days all of the episodes go in front of the paywall with commercials okay. um and then luminary subscribers get two episodes a, uh, a month extra uh that are us reading emails we get oh we get crazy emails you think that people are gonna run out of problems they don't they it's, don't and they're interesting man what's like people the best, have specific what's problems. like the best one of recent times or maybe not oh, the best because there's a lot of ones, but one that there's really so had you all many. fucked up Oh, there's so many. The ones, it's it's the th it's not a specific one because we get so many of this kind of like the a, a a woman, not even like well young. You're young, but like in your 30s, your early 30s, where you're like dating a, a tr piece of trash mm. and you know it, yeah. and there's you just don't want to part ways. And you are listing out all the things that are not good in the relationship, and you're still on the fence. Those ones uh, get me the most, probably because I'm projecting and I've been there. <laughs> that our, my reaction to things is more of a reflection on me and not the person I'm. So what? To. What's so for like the the young woman who's in her early thirties dating a dirt bag? What's your general? Uh, cut them off. Is Don't be an accomplice to somebody's mistreatment of you. Mm. Don't be an accomplice. Easier to said it. than done, though. Uh huh. So then, so then, like, what's like the? It's all 13 about thirteen step process. I mean, I'm a big fan of take ripping that bandaid off and getting out of there. Saying fuck out of here. If you know yourself, I, I, that's 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 what I had. I've had to do that before in the past, where I'm like, I know if I stay here and talk, I'm gonna get talked out of leaving. I'm just gonna go. And you've I'm been just able gonna to do cut, it. cut it. Yeah. And you just say I'm out with the support of friends. That's a, a necessary part. But how do you uh, like in the whatever example you're thinking of right now? What was the conversation like I'm, verbatim? The conversation verbatim was, "I'm breaking up with you." That's a toughie. Uh, yeah, you yeah, can't really. Clear on you that. can't spray clean. You can't, you can't like, dance around that uh, one. Let's try to. No, no. I fine. am queen of beating around the bush Did. because I I scared to commit to one decision or the other. But that one I knew, it was the right choice. How long were you together for? Seven years. Oh, is that fellow? That was that one. Yeah. I remember that yeah. fellow. Yeah. Do you still talk to him? No, no, no. He's done, done. He's done, done. He sued, tried to sue me <laughs> and Corinne oh, for one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Um, because you guys talked about him on the show? No, um, he's a technically a public figure because he's he uh, yeah he's technically a public figure. Um, but um, he 
Corinne called me and she never calls me. We've been working together for 10 years. She's never called. She never, no, no, we text. Come on. Um, No, of course. She calls me and I was like, "Uh oh, this is either really good or really bad. And the first thing she said was, are you sitting down? And I was like, oh, (laughs) that's either really good or bad. And knowing Corinne, I was like, it's probably bad. And he, she was like, look at, in your email, you will find a letter from your ex's lawyer. And I was like, oh, what? Wait, so what was the, what was the, the specific? So there was allowed- a time where in Guys We Fucked, we um, got kicked off of our network in the early beginnings of the podcast. Uh, the podcast was really hot and we were presented with a contract by the network we had joined, uh, basically saying there was an ad split, which was right, right. standard. Uh, standard in an industry that's ever changing, but yeah. still. Uh, and this was eight years ago. Um, the ad split, and then the um, there was a portion of the contract that said we will get ten percent of anything you do based off of the success of guys we fucked. Now that is a manager or an agent's commission. Right, right. This is not a manager or an agent. This is a podcast network. So, luckily, thank God, because I, I would have signed that shit. I would be like, cool, yeah. we're gonna make <laughs> money. What? <laughs> Corinne was a worked as a junior talent manager before she did comedy full time. So that's how we met. I interned for her company. So she knew that that was fucked up. Right. And so she was like, we're not signing uh, with this cause included. And they're like, all right, see ya. And we're like, okay, see ya. And so there was about, I'm not sure exactly how long it was, maybe about six month period where we were doing the podcast from my living room, my apartment where I right, lived with that right, ex-boyfriend. Right. Um, and he was editing it because he knew about the tech stuff. And so I, and we were bro- I was broke. Um, I was like asking him to help me with my rent. Like that was, I was not doing well financially. <laughs> so we, I couldn't pay. We couldn't pay him. So he wanted back pay for that. Basically, when when you go through a breakup, you're not the best version of yourself. When you get dumped, you're certainly not the best yeah, version of yourself. fair enough, fair enough. And I've been doing a lot of work, Felix, on yeah. myself. And I'm kind of in a place of forgiveness and not anger. Oh, so wait, wait, wait. So where, how did we get to this place of forgiveness and not anger, though? Uh, anger, it's, I'm so have you, exhausted. You, have you, wait, yeah, yeah. But have you ever been, <laughs> but have you, yeah, I know that, but. have you ever been like a angry person? I have a temper. I have a temper and I never knew where it was from because it seemed a little like off. Like it just didn't seem like a part of my natural personality. Mm. Like it came from somewhere. And the temper, I think I was taught a little bit. Uh, I stopped talking to my parents, which is a big, big, big when? step for me. About a year and a half ago. So, <laughs> so you stopped. You, it was after I left here. And I was like, you know what? Said, Fuck the parents. really inspired me to stand up for myself. I think I'm done. I'm sorry, Christina's parents. Oh, oh it's okay. I hope, I wish, you know, I just, it needed to happen. It was like a Munchausen-y kind of, um, uh, 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 what's the, and what's the one where you get kidnapped and then you love your kidnapper? Um, Stockholm Syndrome. There was, there was, it wasn't that, but it felt like remnants of this real big psychological pull towards them mm. that, that was um, facilitated by like manipulation that I didn't see until like a year ago. So then what was like the moment you saw it? Uh, God, there's so many. Um, the moment I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to block you your phone number, which is, uh, at, for, before I did that, I was like, can I, am I allowed to do that? Like, is that legal? Like, that's how much up my parents asked I was. Um, I, my mom was um, accusing me. She wasn't asking me how I was doing. She was telling me how I was doing and she was saying my happiness was fake and that she was concerned that I was addicted to drugs and she was worried about me living in New York with all the crime. It was just all this worry yeah, being thrown yeah. at me. And I was like, that's, not at, I'm actually doing really well. I yeah, kind of yeah. like this quarantine thing. I'm probably figuring out like, you know, whatever. And she wouldn't take my answer for an answer. And so, and she said, expressed wanting to come up to New York City. And I said, no, I, 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 
I was very irritated by that. She came up anyway because I woke up. I woke up whenever you wake up to like nine missed calls. You're like, oh, that ain't good. Um, and she was at my apartment, and I was like, that, that, that is a very clear boundary crossing that I you can't deny. So I'm gonna set a boundary and block them. <laughs> Wait, so then, so you block her phone number, just your mom and my dad, because I called my dad and I was like, why did you let her do this? And he was like, well, why don't you talk to her? I'm like. I can't, y'all are, y'all are both nuts. <laughs> I mean, it's, and it, you know, when you're family, it's just, it gets so layer upon layer upon layer so of shit. So then how long know? did you have their phone numbers blocked for? About six months. I felt so oh, guilty. Yeah. Because yep. even like a week, you're like, yep. Mm. I felt so guilty. I was like, can, am I allowed to do this? Like, I felt like. Now, how old are your parents? Um, how old are they? That's a good question. Um, in their 60s? Um, my dad's in his 70s, maybe? So you felt guilty, but so yet, but yet, guilty. your 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 feelings of like boundaries or this needing to happen seem like that trumped yes. the guilt. Yes, Trump is a, uh, interesting. You bring that up. Uh, that was part of it too. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yes, and I think I've been trying to convince myself through therapy and through the help of a therapist and and friends who know me well that yes, they are crossing boundaries, but I didn't have evidence that was so obvious. That I, there's like no way, because I'm always, I would always defend them, mm. always, and like to the death without even thinking about it. It was just an automatic thing. So um, that was such hard evidence that I was like, well, now I can make this decision and I will feel guilty, but I know that I don't have to feel guilty. Huh. That makes sense. So then when you're like living in the guilt though, because six months is a long time to live mm -hmm. in guilt and like, oh, that's it's, a lot of nights I'm that you're sleeping. It. It's, it's most of my sleeping. life I've been guilt, <laughs> guilt. But like, but like, what are you? Are there moments where you're like, you know what? Maybe I'll unblock or for sure. Oh, hundred percent. But like, I wrote him a letter. I wrote him a really nice letter. I hand wrote it, and then I was like, I'm gonna email it because I want to make sure that it got there. Okay. I just really wanted to make sure that they got it. I and I and I just sat down and I meditated because I got in a meditation mm. over quarantine. That's changed my life. Okay. Um, sat down and I just meditated in my guilt, like just the guilt, like now the thing that I've been doing different, whenever you get that pit in your stomach or whatever the uncomfortable feeling is, rage, sorrow, terror, mm. what, what have you, just sit in it mm. and just focus on it and, and don't try to distract yourself from it and don't try to relieve yourself from it. Just sit in it and you'll be able to move through it. So I sat down and I meditated and I wrote like a, a, a truly beautiful letter to them that was just all loving. And um, they didn't fucking get back to me. And I was like, damn. Okay. 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 Cool. 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 I think you guys are mean. <laughs> and I think I'm just now picking up on that. Wait. Peace. So then, <laughs> so then after six months? Yeah, I, I unblocked them. Uh, we talked. There was one instance where I went to uh, speak with them. I, I had my brother, my older brother, who is... Oh my God, a lifesaver. He, we're like war veterans. We like. And it's just you and your brother. My older brother, yeah, okay. yeah, or my brother, yes. Um, he, yeah, he came with me, and I tried so hard, and I, I got to see their tactics on display, kind of having a little space from them and understanding. Uh, I, I read a book. 
called You're Not Crazy, It's Your Mother. And I was like, well, let's see what this book has to say. I feel like there's some sage wisdom in this one. And I read I, I, I read it. I downloaded the audiobook. I listened to it. I stayed up all night. I ended up not sleeping. I called my brother to the next day, and I'm like, yo, yeah. I think there's some narcissism going on in here. They're like undercover dicks. Um, mm. And it resonated with me so much, and it made me feel less crazy. That That's my thing. And that's how I get uh, I would get caught in um, a, a relationship, friendship, business, whatever that's kind of manipulative is because I I feel crazy so easily. Uh, so that I had to undo. Did you feel resp- Did you feel like any of this was your responsibility? I felt like I got a daughter I didn't ask for. Interesting. Yeah. So that's Explain why cutting that. her off. I, I I was always so worried about my mom and her health and how she was doing and mm. how she was feeling in any given moment that. I completely neglected my own needs my whole right. life, and I didn't realize that until very recently. So that's where the temper came from. Okay. When you don't acknowledge your own needs, um, it's gonna come up. Right. You're gonna. It's gonna come up, and it's so interesting to me having read about childhood trauma and kind of the effects of not getting what you needed as a kid, which I, most of us didn't. Do you? And it's up to you to kind of fill in the gaps mm-hmm. of parenting for yourself as you get older and finding out what they are. But um, it's interesting how certain. Uh, behaviors adults have that perplex me I now understand because I'm like oh you weren't seen as a kid like you didn't get it's so clear to me I see the path for me to be um, uh, and it's interesting it makes me uh, have a better sense of compassion well I think also it's interesting because you're not I think when I hear people talk about childhood trauma they it's through a lens of like victimhood and I think your right. lens is not I'm, it was it was that for a minute because I needed to sit in like oh wait this right sucks. but I don't think you sat there and like like it's, it wasn't like for the rest of time you sat there like my yeah you can't poor me you know what yeah, I mean you like can't. you can't I think that there I just was, want answers so did you, do you feel like you have answers I do yeah and now now it's what you do with those answers because there's all these stages of healing right so you when you realize oh this was fucked up that's a that's a mind fuck what was the biggest answer Oh, good question. Um, the biggest answer was everyone did the best they could. Mm. And their best wasn't good enough Forgiveness. for what I needed. And that's okay. And uh, a, a thing that I, one of the, I'm always reading all these books because mm. I'm, I'm always searching for things that resonate for, with me. And one book that I'm reading said, consider you know, talking to the universe or, or prayer. I've gotten really into like um, studying like religion and spirituality and how related they are and how all the mm-hmm. religions kind of yeah. say the same oh, thing. Oh, the same thing. I didn't know that. That's really beautiful. It is. It's also kind of crazy that like people get on disagreements over religion when like if you if you think about it, well, it's you all adapt. The same sh- yeah, it's, it's all like the same it's like love shit. your neighbor. Lo- and it's really cool shit. It's good, like yeah. good, beautiful yeah, yeah. lessons, right? And they get convoluted because humans ruin right, everything. Right, right. But um, but uh. One of the things that this recent book I was reading said, you know, be honest about, I don't know how to love my mom. That, I feel eight pounds lighter even just repeating that out loud. that's heavy. I don't know how to love her. I don't know how to love her because there's so much anger and there's so much sorrow. And so I don't know how to love her. And that's okay. How do you want to love her? I don't know. I don't know. But I want to, well, one thing I do know is I want it to be the most genuine version of myself. So I'm not betraying myself. Do you feel like you ever loved her? Yes, but it was a love that was based on fear. Mm. Fear of what she so thought of you. So I don't even know if that's love. 
fear of what she thought of you or fear of fear of her safety, fear of her health, fear of what okay. she thought of me, fear of how I affected so you her, felt responsible fear for of her. making her life better or worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I do also think, I think I was also, I happened to be born. I know that your circumstances can make you sensitive. I also was not a very resilient, I'm resilient, but I was very sensitive. Like no matter what okay. parent I had growing up, no matter how I was treated, I'm going to be, sen- I'm, I'm a sensitive gal. So that I kind of understood. But when you, like, but when you say sensitive, as in like, I pick up on everything everyone's feeling, and it's exhausting. That's interesting because I think like when, when you're like when I'm around you, it seems as though like you are setting your foundations, and then like people can have their issues. I can hold space for people real easily with my mom. That's mm. different. Her energy penetrates mine. Now, what about dad? Hmm. <laughs> I feel like he's complicit in. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I guess I'm not sure. I don't really want to that that I don't want to speak for for them without. I don't want to speak too much about okay. that without them being here because there's there's still stuff that I probably a misunderstanding or right. don't really fully grasp. And I do I do through all of it have a a, a great deal of respect for them both. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what's going on with my dad, but I know that I needed to get away for a little while. And so when was the end of the six month period? That was about maybe like a, a little less than a year ago, and, and now so they're not blocked. Then. But um, it's very intermittent contact. Uh, we talked on the phone, um, and I just wanted to see how I was feeling, and it was okay. It was like talking to a. I don't know if you've ever been in a romantic relationship where you feel lonelier in that relationship than you would if you were single, because mm. that person is. It's like you're in a where you're yeah. sitting in the same room, but it's like you're in a warehouse and that person's on the other end talking you through a tin can. They're so far away from you. That's how it felt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, get a globe, but, read some books, get ready to TV. Yeah, we'll talk about the globe. You'll in make a sec. some realizations, yeah. man. <laughs> but like now for you though, on a daily basis, is that like depressing? Is that it was. It that's, was. It's that's not. hard. Yeah, it is. It is. It's hard. Like we're talking about it lightly so here, now. But so like... get get this. So and I, I think it's so funny. It really speaks to how much I put people on pedestals. Karen and I wrote a book called "Fucked: Being Sexually Explorative and Self Confident in a World That's Screwed," and it was a while ago we wrote it. Twenty four, fifteen, sixteen. I don't even know what is time. What is time? Uh, it's an illusion. But uh, <laughs> we wrote the book, and we had a book dedication. We each we each had our own separate right. book dedication because we wrote our own chapters. We didn't combine our writing together. And I, all four people on that, my book dedication are blocked from my phone. Well, now my parents aren't blocked, but I don't talk to, I don't, I, 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 I don't, I parted ways with the parents, with the best friend of 15 years and the boyfriend of seven years. And so I've, that's, that's sad. But, you, but it, yes, but I will say it's though, beginnings. I will also say though, I admire that in a way. Cause I think that there are too oftentimes too many people stay, uh, kind of complacent and they don't make any necessary changes, even though these changes need to happen. Oh yeah. I will never do that. I'll so like never, in that ever, sense, ever that. and that, and, and like what you're doing is vi- that's very hard. Uh huh. <laughs> You'll, I mean, you know, better. I cry yeah. every it's damn a lot day. Of, like, yeah, but I allow myself to do it now. I'm not, I, I was so jarred so by many how band-aids. I felt like a washcloth getting wrung out every I would oscillate between or vacillate between is that the right word? Oscillate I know or vacillate? I did. Which one is Both it? Both are big. But yeah, I know. Go. I know one's the, the moving move, yeah. I would be going back and forth That's playing definitely. this ping pong shirt. Let's use that one. Between <laughs> being angry and rageful and so mad at all all the love I thought I got and I didn't, it was 
it was misunderstood. It was just, oh, I got so mad. Between that and truly being like loving and missing these people and going, what the, f- how, what the fuck did I do to not see this behavior? But it's like, you don't got to do that. The ch- child brain thinking and trauma brain thinking is you're either a good person or you're a bad person. But when your nervous system is in a healthy place, you can fully accept and embrace the fact that people are all of that at the I, same time. Do you also feel like when these changes are happening, you are like, can you feel yourself growing in a sense? Yeah. I feel like, you know, I I don't know if babies feel the growth that happens in their bones, right. but that's how it feels. Like, I feel like I'm just, uh, like I'm getting wrung out and okay, stretched. Now, now, my question to you is, like, there are a lot of people listening. Um, I hope. But, but there are a lot. Fingers of- crossed. <laughs> no. But, like, there are a lot of people listening uh, to you on in general that probably feel the same way but have, like, zero idea and don't maybe have the um, strength or courage or whatever to, like, actually go through and do some of the things that you're doing Mm -hmm. like how how can someone who might feel even scared scared of their parents or whatever like to actually do do it yeah uh know that you're gonna be sitting there for a while if you're waiting to feel inspired to do it Mm. you got to do it and then the feel the good feelings that you 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 can enjoy feeling a better sense of efficacy later. <laughs> it's it hurts. It really hurts for me. Uh, it it feels like peeling feels awful. Yeah, it sucks. No, yeah, it's, it's not comfortable. Good, but it is not. I just I expected it to feel good. Uh, that was a huge misunderstanding on my part. Do you feel like it feels good now? Yeah, it does. Well, I feel. More in my body. I feel like more of a mm. person. And that feels really good. It, but it's still... Um, I'm learning that when an emotion comes up, I don't have to... I don't have to... I can feel it and not react to it. Like, what's the end goal, though? When, when like... When, I just want to be like, psychic, honestly. Because oh. everybody's... That's another topic I've been getting into lately. Like, psychic intuition and psychic mediums. Uh-oh. I've listened to all... I've watched so many YouTube videos, read so many books on this phenomenon... It's crazy. And a lot of times people who grew up in like a tumultuous environment as a kid, they're very sensitive to energies. And so they have a bigger chance of like being able to like everybody can hone in on this. And so I'm just I'm at the point in my healing process where I want to think about other shit that's really cool and exciting. And that's one of them. So like what's like a little sprinkle of psychic for uh, the people out there? Because I got no fucking idea. So. So intuition is interesting. Okay. Um, intuition is very subtle. And often it's the first thing that comes to you. There is a book called, uh, let, me get, let me get the exact, that's why I have my phone out because I have all these audiobooks. I want to make sure I'm giving the right title because this book is phenomenal and I highly recommend it. Um, it is a book, I believe it's called Healing Thoughts, but let me, it was written, yeah, okay, it's called Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope, uh, the metaphysical memoir of a most unexpected medium. Messages. It's by Suzanne Geisman. Suzanne Geisman worked for the United States government. She talks about the top of the book where she was in the air on one of the only planes allowed in the airspace on 9-11. She was flying back. I believe she was with the Secretary of Defense. She was high up in the Navy, as was her husband. And and she talked about, you know, being working for the government during 9-11, how how awful it was and how scary. And and, and uh, her and her husband eventually retired. 
And then her husband lost his daughter from another marriage. His daughter, I think she was in her 20s. She also was in the Navy. Um, she He lost his daughter suddenly. And this woman who wrote the book, who's married to him, experienced her husband, uh, you know, grieving at a level that she never thought a human being could right, grieve. Right. It was so painful to bear and to watch. And so her response to that was there has to be a way to reach your daughter. There's no way she could be gone. Like all of a sudden she was such a vibrant, beautiful personality. And this woman took classes. She saw psychic mediums, got some hits, got some like, you know, had some readings. Some of them didn't resonate. Some of them really resonated. And she, she, she talks about all of them. She talks about going to the school in England called the Arthur Finlay college that I really want to go to. I, I think she did it for like six weeks or so. It was a short, it wasn't like a full college degree length of time she spent here. And she learned how to communicate with people who've passed away. And it is remarkable. She, all she had was an interest in it. That's it. That's she didn't have any abilities that she knew of before this book. And that book proved to me, okay, anybody could do this. I, I and as much as this childhood trauma shit is important, this shit is way cooler. Wait, so so she could speak to anybody who you said Pat. So when you get a when you get a reading with a reputable medium, um they like they'll it, it just because you want to hear from somebody doesn't mean they're going to show up. You have to match their energy. That's where I said it was sensitive early, like being mm. sensitive to everybody's energy. Uh, a, a person who's passed away is is a pure form of energy. They they vibrate at a much higher vibration than a human being would because on Earth, and this is what's so ironic, getting into all the spirituality stuff and reading all these books, hell, like everybody in in religions where they really carry it, you know, carry it away. Hell is dangled in front of you to make you feel guilty about every goddamn thing. Yeah. Hell is earth. Like, turn the news on. This is hell. It's burning. There's wars. I mean, and it's your job to find your own inner peace and your own heaven, if you will, in your in your own world that you create with your friends and your loved ones and the environment and what you ingest. In the so to me, um, part of living a life that is like a full, full life, in my opinion, is part of that now that I know about this shit is I want to become psychic medium. But so how does one become psychic medium? Uh, a lot of practice. I mean, this this she does a really good job explaining all of the exercises that she did in the book. One of the exercises, for example, I think she did this at this college, was um, you're in a group, you're with a group of people and each person has an item that belonged to someone who passed away. So you pair up with somebody that you don't know uh -huh. and you hold the item in your hand, the, the item of that person. Like you give me a, 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 right, a watch right. your grandfather had and I hold it in my hand and I just sit there. And whatever comes to me, I just say out loud who without without fear of I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. That's what she did. And she eventually was was, was saying the right things that were specific about the person who used to own this. And she's like and she was like, what the fuck? What? What? Uh. Intuition is extremely subtle. And we miss it because one of the reasons is fucking wrapped up in why my mom was mean to me mom like it's you know it so that's why it's doing the childhood trauma thing it frees you it gives you space it gives you emotional real estate like real estate in your own head to like look into other stuff so this energy thing because i think this is fascinating yeah i'm currently now I, she's finally listening I'm currently seeing someone okay who's talking to me a ton about this energy thing and i'm kind of it was kind of like sailing over my head yeah and uh, she's on to something, I she bet. She might be on to something. I think she might be. But so, like, I'm trying to understand more about, like, how do we how do we understand this? So, you know when you're in a room and someone's looking at you, you can feel it? Yeah. 
there you go. You just you just tuned into somebody else's energy on you. But so then, so what? So that's the beginnings of realizing that you can be more attuned to energies if you you have to kind of calibrate yourself and like really ground yourself, but you can be attuned to other energies. That's how people become a medium. They kind of get themselves in a high vibrational state and they're able to pick up on extra stuff. We're so wrapped up in our five senses that we're not paying any attention to um, what we don't see and hear. So what is like the the ultimate goal for someone to come to you, say, Christina? <laughs> I don't know. Figure my not figure my shit out, but tell me my tell me my. I don't know what's the word. Well, so one of the re- one of the reasons why I thought this was so interesting, uh, I watched Surviving Death on Netflix. It's a docu series. Okay. Everyone should watch this. In it, they um, one of the episodes they interview a woman named Laurelyn Jackson. Okay, I immediately fell in love with this woman. I loved. I, she was a psychic medium. You watched her do readings for people. You watched her do a reading for a woman whose daughter drive, died of a drug overdose. And you watched Laurelyn Jackson go, okay, your daughter wants me to bring up whatever you have in your pocket. And the woman just fucking loses her mind, takes out a necklace in her pocket that had her daughter's picture in it. And Laura proceeds to communicate a message from this woman's daughter saying there's nothing you, I, this isn't verbatim, but there's nothing you could have done to save me. You did everything you could and I'm a better person because you are my mom. And you're just sitting there going, are you kidding me? You can get that healing? That healing exists? That's fucking wild and profound. And for, for, like, how are we not utilizing this every day? How are we not seeking this out all the time if we have things to heal from? That's incredible. That, and, that, and so that led me down. Uh, I read Laurel and Jackson, both of her books. She has two New York Times bestselling books, Signs and the Light Between Us. Can't recommend them enough. Then there's this guy, Matt Frazier, who I'm obsessed with. He's this guy in Boston. He has a thick Boston accent, and he go and he talks all. He goes, "Your mother's here." She said she loves what you did with the tree. You planted the tree in the yard. She loves it. Like he's such a personality. He has a show on E where he is a medium for people. But I watched all of a lot of his YouTube videos where he did online readings for people. And you watch these, you watch these messages get delivered to these people. That's like from a, an abusive uh, partner, an ex-husband who beat the shit out of his wife who passed away from alcoholism. And you watch a, a message get delivered to this this grieving widow of he, of a real apology and, and no defensiveness and no, and really specific to the situation that she had endured with this man. And you're like, I mean, where'd that come from? So I want to be psychic. It's a lot. It don't, but it's heavy though, no? Like I'm you, used you to that some, shit, man. That's my he- zone. You got some my heavy lane. shit. My lane's heavy. Yeah, I but I feel glutes. like it's um, it's like a, it's almost like a drug too, no? Because it's kind of like you're 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 just I'm so engulfed. You're in yeah, and you're like engulfed in this, and it's like such a distraction from like everything else. Yeah, it's fun. You're like when you're like driving or something. You ever think about shit like this, and you're just sit- yeah. I don't know. I'm always learning. I like learning. I'm a sponge. Yeah. And I feel like because I've of the because of the um healing from my childhood stuff, I now have room in my head to like take in new information. Do you feel like well, are you currently in a relationship or any of that? No. Do you feel like that makes you um for whatever the future holds more kind of prepared to engulf like to 
to put yourself in in that situation once again? Oh, like have a boyfriend? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. I don't really associate those two. Um, but it's but in terms of just like clearing your head and like oh oh and, I see I see I you know what I mean like yeah yeah for sure. So I think oftentimes people the. I think that so many people hop into things because they are not ready and they're not within themselves. There's so much yeah. turbulence. And I feel like this is such a, like, cleanse that it could comp- yeah, prepare right. you for, like, relationships, romantic, a friendships, whatever it is in general. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. That's an astute observation. That's, 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 that is right. That's correct because I can check in with myself and actually be present instead of going, la, 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 I don't know, let's right. just do it. Let's uh, And just not really be present for what's happening. Like, I think people would, like, much rather find a partner that's, more in touch with themselves than than not. It's a more fulfilling time. Yeah, because <laughs> so you can't be that for the other person. They have to be that for themselves. <sighs> People go enter relationships to fill a void, yeah. and it's like boo boo. You no one's gonna fill that void the way you can. And if they don't fill the void, you can get bitter. There's just there's so much uh, with relationships in terms of like um, still healing yourself. But you can also, I think, the most learning about yourself. I think comes in a romantic relationship. Really? Why is you, that? Because you have to face yourself. You see, you see yourself through someone else's eyes. You get to witness how you love, how you like to be loved. Um, when I'm in a relationship, I mean, we just talk, 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 talk. I mean, I like I'll get my voice, my vocal cords will go like right. scratchy when I enter a relationship because I talk so much. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Well, I just think also it's like. The, the relationship part when you're not kind of what you said like when you're not ready for it yeah is so i think like 98 percent of people that get into relationships are not ready for them yeah and i wish i wish people like saw it just for their own benefit well you know what i think would help just as i said earlier about like i don't know how to love my mom being and just coming to like admitting verbally out loud I don't know, you know, here are the things that I don't really know how to do. I would love to understand, find a way to to know how to do these things. But um, maybe if you're impatient or if you, I don't know, if you feel like you get smothered easily and you don't know how to navigate that. Well, if you're open about it, then you have the opportunity to navigate it with another person. And are these things that, like, you have found, and I don't know how much you talk about them consistently on, whether it's Illuminary episodes or stuff like that, is, are these things that you're comfortable, like, sharing generally speaking um with the world generally generally speaking yes absolutely the specifics i keep yeah to the luminary folks. yeah, yeah. I, you know I'm, I'm seeing people and stuff so i'm like and you know i go through the ups and downs of like oh what's i don't know how i feel about this and sometimes i talk stuff out um but that i keep for the luminary episodes because i don't i've had too many instances of i just don't want to i don't want it all out there like the specifics it's tough though because it's what we were saying like before we went on it's like there's a lot <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot that's already out there and i've accepted that but um going forward i'm like oh, okay maybe i can conduct myself in a different way that feels um like i'm not being guarded because i'm certainly not um but i just i also like getting into other people's stories i want to hear other people's stories because people have them and they're interesting and you hear some fucked up ones very like whoever thought you might even be like a an expert on like pedophilia which it seems like these days you yeah. are yeah it's wild right because no one talks about it so and I like, wanted to pick how... your brain a little bit about the pedophilia. Sure, yeah. Like, so for people that are wondering that I didn't just bring up, like, the pedophilia thing, um, you were just on uh, Burt Kreischer's podcast, which was a very, very uh, lovely listen. Oh, okay. Um, I, that was a fun conversation. It I was really like, was. Oh, Bert, I was, I was so driving back from you. Boston yesterday, and I that was for, like, the first half of my trip. It was about two hours. I just listened to you, Corinne, and uh, 
good old Bert, yeah. um, kick it. And and he was so like, I mean, he's like a teddy bear in general. Um, I've never met him, but that's what I can kind of oh, gauge. The best. Yeah. And but he was like so he it really sounded like he was so comfortable around you guys. Um, and really revealing some very interesting things about like fatherhood and like and like some like twisted like twisted like sexual things, but put into a perspective of a father. Yeah. And I was like, this is and it was so like candid and so like honest. Yeah. And I think like and I think a lot of people probably benefit or can benefit from listening to that. But um, I guess more of my question for you is like when you have – okay, so with regards to the pedophilia thing, mm-hmm. now that you're more of an expert. <laughs> yeah, which uh, – Is it very, fucking – like it's weird. In a way, it's the, so – The the fact that people molest kids? That. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a little strange. It's common. I know a lot of people who are molested. And and that's that's wild, and a lot. That's a very popular email we've gotten from men and women who were who have had experiences, whether it was ongoing or like a one time thing. They never they they never talked about it. They're not scarred about it. They are scarred about it. They've never told anybody about it. Every situation under the, under the sun. That now, you can have you had a, like a pedophile like write to you guys like, "Hey, yes. I'm a pedophile." Yeah, because I asked. Um, because I was like, "Well, okay, if we're getting all these emails from people who were touched." There have to be statistics. Who are the people doing the the touchers? And why, you know, what can be done here? Um, Because the second you're afraid to talk about something, then it remains a problem, right? So one thing that can be done off right off the bat is a helpline. Somewhere somewhere you can call so that you don't act on it. Because you don't have to act on it. Just because you have an urge doesn't mean you have to act on it. That's that's not, that's a, you know. Um, And so... That's one thing that could help. We had a woman on. I forget her name. I'm blanking on her name. She was fantastic. I, I, she, she had a quote in an article about the subject, and I, uh, we, we, we zoomed with her. She was a doctor. She worked at a prison where she basically was in charge of saying, "Can a pedophile get out? Like, is this sentencing appropriate for for this crime?" And the crime mostly dealt with um, uh, pedophilia, sexual assault, and she had a lot of really interesting insight um, uh, about it. And just how common it is. I mean, it's the it's a problem. And and then you go well. You think of Lewis Carroll and um, who wrote Alice in Wonderland. I have the unabridged version of Alice in Wonderland that he wrote. And there was a, there was many forewords by his friends um, who knew him at the time. He was a pedophile. He was in love with Alice Adele, who was seven years old. That's that's he's a pedophile. Uh, but so during that the, time, people sexualize kids. And I was like, what? I didn't know that. Wait. So okay. So what I also learned from listening to you guys talk is there's like different. We're labeling everyone who likes kids as pedophiles, but there's like different levels. There's hebophilia, diff- which is like a prepubescent. There's like levels of it. Uh, that's nasty. It, yeah. But like, yeah, wait, yeah. So, what, what, so what are the levels? Uh, the ones <laughs> for the that I know pedophiles out are there? pedophilia is, is until like eight. And then I think pre uh, hebophilia is like nine through that's like 15 weird, or something. I think there's two categories. You don't think we just like, all group one? Is it that much better for like an eleven year old or an eight year old? I don't know. I don't know that. See, I'm not an expert in that way because I don't know. I don't know about. I don't know about because I don't want to speak to it if I don't know the facts. But uh, I just know that those two are terms for those categories. Is it categorized as a mental illness? I think. I think the woman said it was. It's a. It's a sexual attraction. So like, it, some people are exclusively sexually attracted to to kids, even as a kid. Like it's it's yeah she, the she told us about this one guy who knew since he was a kid, um and then he just yeah so, so since he was younger but at that point it's just like liking your peers 
Like if you're nine and you're right. like another nine right. year Right, and then he got older and then it just, and it just stayed. Never, yeah. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. What to, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, but I do know. The only thing that I fucking know for sure is if you talk about it in a way that's not, <gasps> because it is such a terrible right, thing. Right. But we got to talk about it. There will be the likelihood of of figuring out ways to eliminate it are high. It's higher. So for the for the uh, the folks that have like how many people have have written to you that like hey I'm a pedophile. I asked once, and we there was maybe I asked for that, and I asked for anybody who's who has raped somebody. Okay. Um, and I got a couple of those. Um, they like would make wow. fake email addresses. Um. The pedophile thing, I thought I think it was only I think it was two. So what do they say? Uh one of God, so long ago. One of them and I and I was very weirded out reading it and I was like, well, this is the fucking problem, Christina. Um you just got you could read the goddamn words. Um he never acted on it, and he was molested as a kid. See, I feel like that's like that it, happens and then that doesn't happen. That's not the case every single time, but that is the case a lot of the time. And then so, that's based off of and that so woman who he was like, I feel these urges, but like, I've never acted on it. I know it. they're wrong. Yeah. And I'm like trapped so, in my own so brain. What the fuck you say to him? Don't do it. I was just, I just said, thank you for writing us. That's all I said. <laughs> I, cause I didn't know how to address, I didn't right. know how to, I didn't know how to address it. I didn't know what to say. I was very clammed up because this is not something we talk about this. So I didn't, I was like, I don't, I'm, I mean, I'm talking a mile a minute. I'm never at a loss for words that I don't know what to say, but <laughs> what about the, I said, thank you for writing. What about like when you've had someone that like admits that they've raped someone? What do you yeah. say to that? Uh, I say, okay, well, sounds like that shouldn't happen anymore. And like, what did he say? Like, what he's the so the two that I remember about the rape, we got a couple the ones that I remember. Two of them had an interesting correlation where they said they blacked out when they did it. And I'm I'm going off of two people writing me that I don't know, so I'm right. t- I'm assuming that they're ex- sharing their experiences truthfully. I, that's all right, right, I can right, go course, off of. Course. But they bl- they kind of like blacked out when they did it. They weren't under a, the the influence of a substance. Um, and one guy was like, I I my my girlfriend is too weak to leave me, and I hate that about her. And I was like, well, that's some <sighs> self hatred, huh, buddy? And I don't know what you say to that. <laughs> that's intense, know. man. That's heavy. That's heavy shit. But that's that's the human humans are Fuck. going through shit, and that's part. Some of it's that. It's dark. In a way, like so for you as so it's funny because me and Josh were talking about like just content creating before. As someone who puts out content that is listened to by a lot of people, and like people like like your opinion matters to a lot of people, or what you say resonates with a lot of people. When you're talking about a subject like that, mm-hmm. is it, you know, do you ever feel like you have to really watch what you say or do? Is there a limit to what you're willing to um, share with your listeners about what's written to you guys? Is there a limit mm-hmm. on what you're willing to, like, ask someone who writes something like that? Like, I've, you know, done X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Oh, there's not a, mm, there's been some some emails that we didn't want to read, but we wanted to summarize um, because oh, Corinne has gone to therapy because of these emails. Tr- truly, like she well, she had a imagine. great childhood. Um, I'm used to I'm used to experiencing very intense, heavy emotions from a very young age, so that's part of what allows me to go. Yeah, this is a part of the world and humanity that I kind of already was attuned to. I've already seen it as All a right. kid. I've seen it. So. Um, 
So I, it's not surprising to me. Um, that doesn't mean it's good. Um, yeah, there was one email from a woman who was um, uh, raped by her father when she was 10 and she escaped. She escaped and she got adopted. And she described the, it was, it was really tragic. Uh, it was on her birthday. Her dad had people come over and, the, and she, oh, ran, she ran away. She got away. And we read her email. We, we summarized her email. Because I was like, this is if this is the pain that some one person is going through, that means that other people are going through pain that's that intense, or maybe even more intense. I don't even know what that would look like. Right. Um, so I think I think it's important to not be consumed in the pain, but just know that humans are very resilient. Do you have you ever had instances where you've had like an face to face? Like like someone's come up to you after a show or whatever and told you mm. something like this heavy to your face. Yeah, yeah. There's one. Oh man, there's one I'll never forget. The first time we toured, the first year that we toured, we just did one nighters in clubs to see if we could sell out. And we and we um so we did. We were in cities for one night at a time, and we would do meet and greets after every show, which would go longer than the show. Right. Because we're like whoever wants to say hi, you know, right, right. and um, those would last hours because people would tell us stuff. And there was a, gu- a guy in Arizona who was at the end of the line, and we said hi to him. He was like in his forties or something around there, and he like had tears in his eyes, and he was like, "I, your podcast gave me the courage to leave. I was in a very emotionally abusive marriage with a woman, and I, I had kind of, I asked her for a divorce, and I really appreciate you." Guys like giving the female perspective and, you know, pushing your listeners to to, you know, make sure that their happiness is paramount and there is a big priority for them. And then he said, I recommended my daughter listen to the podcast. She's 15. She started listening to it. And then she confided in me that she was sexually assaulted and she would never have told me that. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> happy meet and greet. Nice that's to- a lot. Of, that's a lot. <laughs> but um, but that's the hu- humans. That's why, that's why, you know, in New York, you run into people that are like on the street, people are rude. That never fucking bothers me because I'm like, man, I don't know what yeah. the fuck you're going through. And you, maybe your nervous system's a little shot right now, huh? Like, I'm not, I'm not, I just want to love people. I don't want to, like, I used to be like, come at me, motherfucker. <laughs> Did you just fucking say something to me? I used to be like wanting a fight, so scrappy. Now it's totally changed. But do you, um, do you like those moments, like when 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 someone tells you something like that? Yeah, because it's connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's also like and it's an honor to, to for someone. A hundred percent, and I think especially, well, especially the example that you just gave. Yeah. That's such a like, man. So much respect to that dude. Yeah. Right. You he know? surprised me. That's not what I thought he was gonna say. Because like on so many levels, because there's like the first part of like his wife. And then his recommending to his daughter, and then like his daughter's experience. Yeah. And it's like, think about it. That's just because you and Corinne talking to a microphone. Yeah. All that. Yeah. And, but it's, ha- it, th- this kind of stuff happens with or without us. Like, it's, it's crazy that I've ended up volunteering at Bellevue Hospital uh, for the victim's advocate program. I, you had to train for 40 hours okay. and you vol- you do, do you sign up for t- at least two volunteer shifts a month? where you're like the 12-hour shift where you're on call. And I lived, I used to live right by the hospital, right. so that's why I was like, oh, perfect. Um, and if somebody comes to the ER who has been sexually assaulted or um, has experienced domestic violence, domestic abuse, 
um, a, a volunteer advocate is called in, whether they want one or they're asked if they would like to speak with one. If they say no, you just sit in the lobby just in case they change their mind. That's it. And um, you uh, we learned about the rights. If you're sexually assaulted, you can get a rape kit. That doesn't mean you have to prosecute. Now, with the Me Too movement, how it has resurfaced uh, in the last uh, couple of years, um, the legislation has changed. Rape kits are now held for, I believe, 20 years instead of four. That's oh, pretty wow. cool. Cause, so how are they held? Because now people are understanding like, oh, somebody might experience something really traumatic and right. not remember it for 10 years because that's what your brain does. Um, they might change their mind about how they feel about it because that's very that's very common. They might go through stages of anger and grief and you, everybody. It's all their own individual path. And so where so where they held like who holds on to they have them? A, f- a refrigerator facility uh, wow. off site, wow. like a storage facility. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, but uh, one thing that I was very interested in learning is a lot of the people that come in there for sexual assault are men from Rikers. Wow. Yeah. Have you had conversations with those individuals? Yeah. And what are they? What are those conversations? Oh, uh, we had because like? we had um, with the trade. So the program ended up getting dissolved because of COVID, which I was like, that sucks. Yeah. That doesn't mean people are not yeah, going to get raped it's or hit. Get worse. Yeah. yeah. That was a bummer. Yeah. Um, I'm like, give me a goddamn, g- give me a hazmat suit. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah. Um, the but so before the tra- uh, at the end of the training, we had people who had received, um, you know, who had interactions with the advocates come in to, to talk about it. One of them was a guy. Who was who had experienced that? Um, yeah, and it was wild. It was very interesting to hear how it's different for men because masculinity is fucked. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that in a second. But like for you, like what? This sounds so like stupid in a way, but like, what's the point of it for you? Like, what do you what do you get out of it? Or is it is it is it for you? Or is it to like? Because yeah, I don't. I just want to help people. I just right. I just and I because I know I know that the pain that they're carrying. That it doesn't have it doesn't have to feel that heavy, right? Well, I think it's also in that question. My my question was also just like, you know, oftentimes I think there's this idea of like when people do charitable work, mm. you wonder if it's there's the element of it feels good for you, mm-hmm. but there's also the element of like you know you're helping someone else. Yeah, of and course. I think both can be yeah yeah true yeah. Like for you, is it is it because when you have those moments where you feel like you've just you just you've just helped someone? that's worth it or is it for or is it for something else um i think i think i have an uh, um a unique ability to hold space for people that have just experienced something really fucking tough without without going oh my god uh," like without kind of without really reacting to it and without um kind of taking their lead and without being so shocked i've heard so many terrible things and i think because i'm not like (gasps) Like just, I, I'm not as reactive maybe as the average person would be. I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I just have a. It's so I don't know. I somehow want to relate it to this. Corinne has said this to me before, and I always laugh. But I have this ability in a different way. She like I've seen her. She's had people straight up just strangers grab her butt in public, straight up. And I've seen it, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, right. and I get mad. Like yeah, yeah. there's one Halloween where two dudes grabbed her ass and just as they walked by and I was I got so fucking mad she was like Christina you know what I'm glad they did it to me because I don't give a shit but they're gonna do it to somebody who does give a shit and that's why she's she, you know she'll say something if they're like walking past but right. she's like it doesn't affect her she's like you know if they're gonna do it to a, a woman here I'd rather them do it to me than to somebody who would react you know wow. <laughs> probably the way I would right. <laughs> uh and so 
And I was like, that's so interesting. And so with me, I think I just have, I, I can, I have a tolerance, I guess, a tolerance. I don't know what you would call it for people in, in dire situations. I think that, um, I want to be there for them because I think part of healing is communal. I think you need other people support. And it, even if that support is just to listen. Mm. Do you feel like you're as good as you're as good at listening to yourself as you are? Hell at no. Lis- really? No, I'm trying. That's what I'm working on. But at the same I'm time, I listen to myself. It's easier for me to listen to others. Or yeah, I feel, like, I feel like in general, that's probably true for a lot of people. You know, I, I feel like a yeah. lot of people. I think, you know, from what I've noticed, hmm, I think the best listeners generally have struggled to listen to themselves. Oh, yeah, you think? I think so. I don't so. know. I never thought about that. They're like real, like what, what I've noticed from people that give really good advice, and I'd put you in that category. Now, yes. I don't know. I don't know how you, well, now you're telling me like maybe you're not good at listening to yourself, but like. I'm getting better. Okay, but it's like. They're really good. They give fucking unbelievable advice, and then like they're in the same situation. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm just like, dude, like you just it's projecting. You just fucking told me about this, and you're in it now. Like, you know what I mean? I definitely do that for sure. I resonate like the people's emails that I'm like, no, you yeah. gotta fucking stand up for yourself. I'm yeah. talking to me. <laughs> but that's so. Isn't that so interesting? Like, we all why project. are people like this? I. That's a great question, and I've pondered that a lot lately. So what's the answer? Let's let's think. People project because they don't have the tools to excavate themselves. I disagree. You have you have the tools. I know. So then that's wrong. I but I I still have a really hard time sitting myself down. I need somebody else's help. I need the help of a therapist to figure it out. I need to talk it out. I need I need the help of a friend who's known me for decades. I need like I need um with me in particular the one of the things that I had dealt with as a kid was being incredibly confused. Having a parent say nice things to you in a mean tone or not know that like you know you don't know what mom you're going to get that morning is she going to throw an object at you right. is she going to hit you or is she going to be loving and sweet you know right. and you just not knowing that like so i i was so on alert that i um it's really hard for me to sit still and go what am i feeling right now i can physically know what i'm feeling like i know i can identify where i'm feeling it in the body but um it really flusters my decision making what is like when you think of because I feel like I feel like you I could be one hundred thousand percent wrong. Is there like a dream or a goal that you're working towards in terms of where you feel like you would be your best version of yourself? Like what would the best version of Christina, happiest version of Christina look like? Right, right, right. Hmm. Wow, you ask great questions, Felix. Thank it's like you. you've been doing this for a while. <laughs> uh, I think I'm finding that out. I think it's. I think I've gone through. I've gone to the desert and died and come back. So Oof. I'm just now. Co- I'm just now going. What is it I want? <laughs> oh, I can focus on that. Um, I'm really excited for this uh, show. Corinne and I are working on. Um, I want to make that really good. I think that to be in the public eye, it you can take it, you can look at it as a responsibility. And I think the way we've the way we've come up into it, the in the the small way that we have, it's certainly a responsibility. And I like it a lot. So I want to take that further. Right. Um. And I don't know. Oh, oh, actually, I do know. Um, there's a dream that I have that I really want to do. This is like a 
I would like to say a five-year plan, but maybe it's a 10-year plan. I want to buy a building in New York and turn it into an immersive theater experience. Mm. I want to um, like uh, get, I got to meet some billionaires. Yeah. You know, let me know. <laughs> I, I want to like create grants for artists all around the world and theater that stimulates your five senses, your, uh, uh, including smell, taste, sight, sound, touch. I've, I've, um, fortunately, we live in the best city in the world for arts. One, one of them being uh, um, immersive theater. And I, there's this one show called And Then She Fell by Third Rail Productions that I've seen eight times, each on a different substance, one sober. Um, I, it, it, it blew me away because that was the only thing that uh, took me out of my head so instantly. Whatever the fuck I was going through, whatever emotional turmoil I was going through, and at that time it was a lot, it went away because you are immersed. This whole The whole building was the play. There's only 13 people in, in the audience at any given show. You get taken up and down in the buildings. There's one room where there's a ri literally a river flowing through the room. Uh, the whole building has a speaker system. It's beautiful soundtrack. The lighting is beautiful. The co You feel like you're in a movie set right. that's come to life. Right. And that was such a profound experience of like, oh, this is what creativity can be? Like, mm. this is what theater can be? That's... So I would love to um, give that experience to other people by um, flying in artists, visual artists, artists that work with light, sound, smell. Have you ever been to this? Fuck, I don't know what it's called. There's no chance I would find it within the next 20 seconds. Um, <laughs> in Union Square, though. Yeah. You know which one There's I'm talking about? There's a show where it's the, in the black. In with the, the lights? Yep, I saw that. Okay. You, yeah, it was you, really interesting. You've been really, to that one? What's it called? Get the with, headphones. Yes, yes. What, what's it called? Um, What is it called? It was like stories of like stories. My mom begged me. She was like, for my birthday, can you please go with me? I was like, all right, let's go. It was interesting. It was, uh, what was it called? I took her in, actually. I have no fucking idea what it's called. Because I always, I'm always seeking out immersive theaters. There's, if, you, if you search for it, it's there. It's trippy as fuck. It was trippy. Um, the, and I liked, I liked this notion of, um, getting a story and you're in a room full of people, but it's pitch black. So you can't, right. you can't exactly. talk about feeling people in the room. You know, they're there. You kind of feel them. Yeah. There. Right. Did you experience that? Yeah. Like you're all experiencing this play. You don't know what to experience. It's kind of weird. It's off beat. Yeah. And you're in, in it with a group of strangers. That's part of the experience, which I thought was really cool. So when you like, like, What's your favorite part of those kinds of experiences? Is it just like feeling new feelings? Yeah, and being surprised. Like what surprised me with what creativity can be? What, how can you deliver a story in a, in a way that I've never heard before? So you'd want to have like this kind of um, hub, if you will. Yeah, of art, th art therapy through immersive theater. It would be really cool because when we're in school, we don't learn about we don't learn about so many things that we that would have been really clutch. Jack shit. Just how to how to decipher uh, manip what is manipulation? What does emotional yeah. manipulation look like? What is what is being coercive look like? Um, how do you how do you how do you have efficacy? What does that word mean right, to you? Right. What do you uh, you know um, discernment? Mm -hmm. Would have loved to learn that as yep. a kid. Um, you know, a lot of us if you grow up in a household where your parents don't have the bandwidth to teach you these things and kind of nurture your spirit in that way. And you grow up to be an adult with, you know, with a blindfold on. Well, it's so way. crazy because I think those are all like 150 times more important than everything we've the learned math, in school yeah. combined. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that at the end of the day, that matters a little bit more than. Because at least you're given the tools to fish. Instead of getting the fish. Yeah, it's so. Uh, we got to find some billionaires. There's got to be some. They're all on 57th Street. The, they're, they're buying houses that they don't live in. 
Fuck, motherfuckers. <laughs> but uh, I'm interested in taking your money if you want to give me a grant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think also it's so cool when I kind of think about everything is a lot of these things that I feel like you've either like learned or have wanted to learn have been so like I can see how they're so connected back to guys we fucked <laughs> really well think about it I mean if you didn't have these people writing to you and telling you their experiences and then maybe thinking to yourself like oh what is this experience like what does this story mean to me mm. or have I experienced something similar or like what do I think about that and then you go on this, like, I'm talking to my therapist about this, and it's related to that. It just kind of se- feels like it all kind of, not saying it all comes from it, but, like, it can be, re- like, imagine the imagine your life without guys you fucked, like, what oh, it would look man. like. Ooh, I don't know. I have no idea. But I will say, yeah, those intense feelings that you're forced to face in yourself make you want to seek answers. That's my, that's what drives me, seeking answers, because I know that it's possible to feel better than how I feel. But... But I feel like at the same time, but then you're always seeking. You're always seeking. I know. It's a problem. (laughs) But like, but like, do you ever feel like you're like, can you be satisfied in that? Uh, I think I've accepted that I'll never be satisfied with that. But isn't that kind of grim? Nah, it's it's fun because you just keep seeking. I'm not, there's no end goal. It's like pinball. I I love playing pinball. You don't win. You just play. But then that can also drive you. I'm playing being a human on earth. Yeah. I want to get the most out of it. You don't have to want that, but I do. I want to. I want to take in all I can, and then when I'm tired, I'll, I'll take a nap, which I do. <laughs> That's so yeah. I, I live alone, and there's a lot of time to think. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I've uh, my drug is uh, literature. <laughs> That's what you were telling me. I mean, it's a lot of reading the globe that we were talking. I purchased an educational. Globe so wait, so Amazon. why why is this globe so important? Because people because I don't know where shit is. And then but, I got this globe, and I was like, I didn't know half that shit was where, there. Like, what's, like, the one that you're like, oh, shit, that's there? First of all, one of the most surprising ones, remember when we all made fun of Sarah Pal- Palin for saying, I could see Russia oh, from my yeah. house. You, she really Yo, can. Yo, Russia and Alaska is close as hell. Very close. They are, they're almost touching. And I'm yeah. like, we were making fun of her. I mean, there's other things to make fun of her for, but that <laughs> one, she was actually, could have no, been she, honestly accurate. So we, let's not call the lady a bimbo over were, that one. Were you were you high I, when you realized that how close they were? No, I, no. that would have been kind of at a globe um i stare at that globe all the time with the war happening right now i have a better idea of how close is all the shit to each other europe very tiny very small very tiny they act a lot larger than they are they do (laughs) they do so how big is your globe uh it's like a like i would say a standard classroom globe so like um i don't know is it like 13 inches is it like is it like antique is it just no it's it's one you would find in like a science class like it, it has the topography like the mountain ranges and stuff it's not 3d in that it's not like textured or um like 3d in the, the bumps for the mountains but um it's shaded with and now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in u.s wellness meats at uswellnessmeats.com you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended that includes 100 grass-fed and grass-finished beef lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves, and now they've introduced a subscription 
food delivery service, and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month, and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest-to-goodness food without the junk. U.S. Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. You know what I want to get you one day? I want to get you like the a, answers to everything. Uh, maybe that too, but but like uh, you know what? I'm gonna be on the lookout. <laughs> Just uh, like some kind of like antique ass globe. Oh yeah, yeah. Like one where you That'd feel like cool. you're in that um shit. What you know that uh like, um like a Nicolas Cage movie. Yeah, fucking like in Treasure or Hunting. the one that that's with the you know that book that's like yay thick um with <laughs> with uh the kid in uh, France Hugo something. Uh, uh, uh-uh, no. Okay, cool, I'll think about it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, like, one of those. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those globes were historically inaccurate, where, like, America was bigger than it actually okay, is, and wait. I'm like, yo, come on. Do you think you that the- fucking dicks. Do you think it actually, like, do you think things look like the globes that we look at are? There's no way of, I could say I think one way or the other. There's no, I don't know. Who knows? I just hope that that's reliable. Uh, there's satellite. we have satellites, so there has to be a way. But, you know, what if every country that manufactured the globe made their country a little bit? Oh, <laughs> That's just so dumb. Wait. That's such a guy thing to do. But, uh, guys, yeah. I thought it was funny when I learned that. I was like, oh, shit, there have been maps that are that portray continents and countries larger than they actually are. Speaking of, so I wanted to, to touch on this masculinity because I, ah, yes. I love, and this is one of the reasons I love having you on. <laughs> I just, I think you're a very, a very, very good articulator. Thanks. And a great thinker. And so I just like to like, I honestly just like hearing you talk about shit, just to like <laughs> just to see how you think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So one of these things is masculinity, because obviously, with all the emails you get, you get you're you're quite well versed in different forms of, of yeah. masculinity across the board. Mm-hmm. And and as a young man myself, I think it's important to be in touch with it earlier on. Yes. So yeah. And I, and I've had a lot of discussions about masculinity and ways that like nowadays like i think there's a general i think at times there might be a a negative connotation with masculinity for sure rightfully so in a lot of in a lot of reasons um and so i think like for you when you think of like like if i tell you what is masculinity for you what's your definition I don't know that I would, I, I feel even comfortable answering that because I'm not, I don't, I can't speak to it from experience, but um, I don't know. I, 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 I would never answer that question because I don't, I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of somebody else, but um, I, I, mm. I, I see the ways in which it fucks men up. Um, Liz Plank is a good person to talk about this. She okay. wrote a book called For the Love of Men, mm. um, and it's a really great book about how damaging it is. I was at a pool in William, oh, it was a Williamsburg Hotel pool um, uh, maybe two years ago uh, with a friend and there was this guy there with his little son who was like four. The guy was in the pool and the son was standing in the pool with his with his like, you know, floaties on his arms. And the dad goes, don't be a girl, jump in the pool. And I was like, uh, you motherfucker. I'm like, ah, that's toxic masculinity. I know what yeah, toxic yeah, we know, I think, Yeah, we know what the toxic masculinity uh, And to, to me... Um, I think there's a beautiful gentleness to masculinity. So okay, so what okay, so what does that look like for you? 
uh, patience mm. and kindness and stoicism almost. Um, but with leadership, I think my, I, 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 because uh, every person, regardless of whatever their gender is, has masculine and feminine sides to themselves. Right. And it's really fun to, exp- like, as a woman, as a straight woman, I like exploring my masculine side. It's really fun. A lot of times my masculine side will come out at work. Um, so, like, what's that look like? When I'm standing up for myself. Like, my, and but in a way that's kind of, like, gracious. But wouldn't someone then argue, like, why do we have to say standing up for yourself would be masculine? Um, I think when you think of it in terms of, like every there's this book the title's pretty but the what's in the book is beautiful it's called the, the getting to i do okay <laughs> it's a great book uh it's a really good book about it, romantic relationships how in every couple regardless of what gender you are some one member of the couple takes on a masculine energy mostly okay. and another member will take on mostly the feminine energy right. And by that, but you can be a man with more feminine energy. I know plenty of couples that have that that have that as the case. It's not matched up with their actual gender. Um, but uh, one person kind of leads the charge in certain areas and the other person uh, leads the charge in other areas. It's just a yin and yang, really. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I the only the only thing I got for masculinity is like what toxic masculinity looks like and how I feel little things that damage guys and the way that you're the, the way that men can be raised as boys that and it's just what a disservice like what is to like think that feelings are weak right you're gonna grow up and explode that's terrible hmm. it's like stifle your feelings oh my god and as somebody who's had my feelings stifled because i i didn't even acknowledge them uh because of the way i was raised and the temper that that's caused in me i can't imagine it being an expectation of because of my gender so like what would what would like healthy masculinity i mean you kind of touched on it a little bit but like say you're looking in terms of like looking for a life partner yeah yeah yeah. right like what when you think i'm definitely the feminine energy in a relationship i think okay so then so then if you're looking for healthy masculinity Mm -hmm. how do you identify that right because i think that there are people out there that like uh yeah, know. like providing. Like a guy likes to, like a, a man who who is a traditionally a masculine energy in a romantic relationship. I think providing acts of service. Um, I love that. I think uh, when you know, um, I don't really because it's been a while since I've been in a relationship. I don't know what that would look like, but because um, I think previously I would rely on it too. Like I would. I would fall into those roles too much in a way that wasn't genuine to who I actually was. When you say providing, are we speaking strictly financially? No, be- no, because I, I mean, I, I, by the end of my relationship, I was the one who was earning right. more money. Um, but that I don't equate my worth, the worth of with that. I just think, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't really have anything for that yet. I'm so busy pondering all this other shit that I like haven't thought about masculinity in a while. What do you think about masculinity? That's a good question. I. I think that, so, my, I've spent more time in general with, so my parents were divorced when I was younger, mm-hmm. when I was, uh, like, three or four, and so I, I saw my dad every Thursday and every other weekend, mm. so I was with my mom for the most part, and I think that she did a fantastic job of, without really telling me, showing me what a man should look like. And what was that? 
I think it kind of fell under the umbrella of taking care of women regardless of your but in a way that doesn't that doesn't show that I am more powerful than you. Right, not not in a condescending way. And not manner. in a condescending way, not in a way that I'm on a pedestal, mm-hmm. not in a right. way like as equals, but like like in a chivalrous like like this is this this is pre- like a woman is precious. Uh-huh. And so mm-hmm. and so one of the ways that she kind of like instilled that in me and in a way it's costly is like every time I'm like with I don't care if it I mean obviously if it's like a romantic partner but if it's like with my female cousin with my best friend's girlfriend if if we're like in a setting if we're at dinner if it's like a one-on-one I have to pay that is my mom that is like my mom's way that's one of the ways mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it's just like I couldn't imagine not doing it which mm-hmm. is great because like all my all my girlfriend's like oh my god I feel like let's go to dinner I miss you yeah you know yeah. free dinner <laughs> but like but like in a way like I just couldn't imagine it just because that is like a small way that I can show that now mm-hmm. that's just financial I don't want to like equate it only to financial yeah but it's more just like I think the way my mom uh kind of instilled in me is really just like making sure that I understand that men and women are equal and should be treated as such but at the same time, making sure that like it that it that it's my duty to take care of the women in my life, mm-hmm. and so for me that is like one of the ways. But I but I also am very, and I try to actively be like this. Um, to never, I think there's like a stereotype of what masculinity looks like. I'm like, I'm all right. tough and that. I I hope I I don't think I come across like that, and um, and I hate boys and men that do. Because I think that's like comes from a place of insecurity. And I think for myself, like I'm very, uh, I mean, I can always get better at it, but I, I feel quite in touch with who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I think because of that, I don't need to prove to a woman anything or yeah. any or anyone else in general. Yeah, yeah, you, you know what I mean? Exist. So it's like, that's, I think, what it, what it means to me. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's great. And it means something different to every person, but that's, that's good. I think, um, I wish, I wish, and maybe this is just well it is it's just my experience but i wish men were more curious about what it was like to be a woman mm. like it, there's certain things that uh i'm trying to write a bit about this how in my, in my school with with er, the early years of sex education started in like what fifth grade where the girls would go into one separate room with their teacher and the boys would go to another room with their teacher and they would the girls would learn about periods and the boys would learn about like boners. And I'm like, that sounds way more fun. But I'm like, you got to teach men about boys, about pure right, menstruation right, because right, I don't want right. to grow. Because then women, we grow up. And then when you deal with a 20 something guy who's like, ugh, and I'm like, ugh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not having sex with me if you can't right, take that. What right. are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, but also just this notion of like, we live different lives. Like yeah. our, the expectations of us. Whether we want to say we can dodge them or not be um, vulnerable to being susceptible to them, eh, it's still pressure uh, of of to look a certain way, to act a certain way. And man, I mean, I can't tell you how many times men have been put off that I curse, and I'm like, oh my god, can really? we not do that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they like a lady doesn't curse kind of shit. I've gotten that before, and oh I'm like, ah, oh, fuck god. you, dude. Jesus. Christ. But it's like, okay, you, I mean, obviously you learned that from somebody. So it's, I'm not like, <gasps> um, but it's just like, there's some disconnects hey, that right. I wish we could bridge the gap, but uh, I don't, I don't know how, 
how to do that exactly. But one way I think is through guys we fuck because it's it, when you're funny, people will listen to you. What do you think is like the reason that people love guys we fucked? Mm, it's hard to say because it's Cord and I. So I don't. I guess probably that you can't shock us. We're not going to judge you because we're all everyone's done shitty things. Like it's yeah. it's okay. Um, and we're tougher on the listeners as the years go on. And they kind of, you could tell they kind of like that. Cause when they write in, they're like, um, we say, don't be a dumb bitch. That's what we say. Mm. You're being a dumb bitch. Yeah. Uh, you're doing something that goes <laughs> against yourself. Don't do that. Uh, and we'll call you out yeah. real quick. And I think people want to be called out and, and especially it's by somebody that they know and kind of trust in that way. So, um, we're very honest um with our feedback in terms of advice i think that's a big portion of it and i've i've turned i've shed 12 layers of myself since the show started so i think that it accidentally unraveled as this like re part reality show where it's like you're on you're living life with corinne and i like where a lot of stuff has happened to us over the last eight years a lot of twists and turns that we could have never never see coming so part of it's that and then part of it is just hearing a conversation you don't hear often, mm. just about candid things. There's nothing we're scared to talk about. It's just because why? Do you either, you know, fear is you got to push through that. Do you think that, uh, like, how do you see it progressing? Is it is this something you guys have talked about, like, I, we always want to do guys we fucked, or do you think it's a, it's a, it's the kind of show that has it takes an it's, an, its own amoeba? I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's its own entity. So it takes it takes arcs and terms that we're like, okay, guess we're doing this now. <laughs> do you feel like, and this is something that Josh and I were speaking about before, just with regards to like the content space. And honestly, I feel like post COVID, it's like way worse because I think people got so bored during COVID. Yeah, that they started. I always tell people, like, I think the best thing about a podcast is everyone can start it. I think the worst thing about a podcast podcast is that everyone, everyone can start, start one. Yeah. So like. Do you feel like in a space that's so oversaturated? Wow, no, because you guys are Life's you guys are, oversaturated, you know? Yeah. Do you ever feel like you're doing that you're just that you're doing things for content? Do you ever feel that way? Mm, with social media, I do. Cause I'm like, I gotta catch up. I gotta, you know, stay up to speed with this. And just with all the mental health, I've been going just getting wrung out like a goddamn washcloth. Yeah. You know, a couple times a month. I've not been keeping up with it so that that I put pressure on myself to do. I now have more I'm like clearing space in the attic that is my head. Uh, but so sometimes with that I do. But I mean, no, be, being pushed to make more jokes like we just released the special. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm writing all new material. I'm, I'm going on the road. Uh, I want to if I'm doing an hour like there's a lot of new there's a lot of right. material I got to write. So I've been writing a lot of new shit, which I'm really happy about. Um, so I think the push to create content is that's a good thing. For guys we fuck though, I don't I don't ever conduct my love life or my personal life for the podcast right, at right, all. Right, right. I do do things that are adventurous sexually, but that's because I want to do them. Right. So do you feel like what when you're stuck with regards to like making jokes or content, mm -hmm. what is your best piece of advice? Because I feel like even Oh, go see art. Go get inspired. Doesn't have to be the same art field as you. Go see a play. Go see a go see music. Go see go see something. Go see something that inspires you or that doesn't inspire you because maybe right. I like seeing when I see stuff that's bad, in my opinion, um, it makes me go, oh, what would have made that good? And then that gets my wheels turning. Now, 
I remember, I think it was last time you were here, you said, I don't know in what order, but you said something. You have a really good memory. And not great, actually. Um, <laughs> Emmy, Tony, Oscar. Because oh. I remember Hell that. yeah. Is that still on there? Hell the... yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The trifecta. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And how do you, like, when you think about that, what does that look like? Um, uh, what do you mean, what it, does it look like? Like, like what, what would it look like in terms of time frame, in terms of, like... I'm going to give myself five years for an Emmy and an Oscar. And an Oscar, yeah. okay. Yep, yep, yep. Because people can, people can shoot television oh, for sure. at the same time. And then a Tony, what did I say, Tony? It was Tony? three, the three major ones. Tony? Emmy, Tony, Oscar? I think that's you said, what you said? that. Um, to- I want to do a one-woman show. I could do a killer one-woman show. Um, but that's, I got, I got other stuff I'm doing, so I got, like, focusing is uh, hard <laughs> for me, if you haven't noticed. So we got Emmy and Oscar. And, and the then Tony's Tony. just lurking. This, yeah. You know, give me a, another decade Can for the Tony sing? because I feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to do musical theater. I have oh. a piano in my apartment, so I sing and play all day. Okay. Um, But that's like my private thing. Like, I right. like doing that for for just to get energy out. So you don't think you could, would, would you want to do it in front of? For some reason, singing in front of people, oh, as much as, as I share, that to me is the most vulnerable thing you oh, could ever 100%. do. Is sing in front of another person. That's so singing? interesting because you tell jokes where you're like expected to be funny for a living. Yeah, well, it's that's easy. Fuck- yeah, I mean that's scary. Like the feeling of like when you say something that you think is funny and oh, and then they don't. Yeah, you're like, that's got to be worse oh, than like, like someone thinking that you're not good at singing. It's pretty not bad. Singing. It hurts. It hurts a lot. But uh, yeah, you get over it. Uh, the singing thing, I just I would have to do. But uh, like to do to um, numb, you know, not numb myself, but. Not feel that way. It would just be a matter of doing. I, f- I would feel like a fucking poser. I don't know. I'm friends with a lot of musicians that are like professional musicians who are so talented, yeah. like so supremely Fuck. talented at singing, at playing. And when they hang out, they fucking make music. And you're just like, oh my God, this is so cool. Uh, I've immersed myself in the world of musicians the last couple of years, especially. So I feel like a fucking who the fuck am I <laughs> kind of thing. That's why I just like doing it in my own home. But I do musical theater, so who knows? Okay. Now, next time, next time I see you, where's, <laughs> where's, where are you at mentally, emotionally, oh my God, relationship, like, like your friends, your family, <laughs> your, like what, what are we, because we're, 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 we're going to manifest some, some good, oh, yeah, manifest, some good okay. energies. So some, uh, I have a hit television show. Hit television show. Uh, I'm in a loving relationship with somebody who's special and talented and creative and unique and like who inspires me yes. uh, to be a better version of myself. And I am uh, honing in on my mediumship abilities. And I, yeah, that's good enough. That's that good. is very good. That's enough. pretty good. Wait, so then when, like, is there a point where I can call you up and say, can you read my, was it? Energy, psychic, medium I, cards. What? I don't know yet. Well, tarot is a is a way. It is that's a that's a method. Uh, I mean, I'll let you know. I'll let everybody know. I'm not gonna be shy when I figure it out. I'll tell everybody. Um, like, it's so cool. Like I just want you to tell me, like, feel like this is what's gonna happen. This. Oh yeah. I mean, this I don't. That's energy. I, I don't, don't want to be a psychic. I don't. I don't want to be. I don't. I'm not interested in being a psychic. I'm interested in the fact that when we die, we don't actually die, and and facilitating <sighs> proof of that for others. 
I think that's a good place. Because then it's like, you don't got anything to be scared of. Death is fake. Live So have fun and be kind. Well, Christina, I think... Um, <laughs> Always a light conversation, yeah. right? <laughs> I, uh, I have a drive back to Boston tonight. I'll be thinking about a lot of things. Um, no, but on a serious note, uh, I appreciate the show. Thank yeah, you so man, much. Yeah, man, you too. It's so awesome seeing you. And, um, you know, I just think that... Uh, you're one of those people, and I genuinely mean this from the bottom of my heart, that, like, I I feel like I'm a sponge, and I feel like I, you know, I always remember, it's funny, because every time I'm asked, like, what's your best piece of advice about um, starting a podcast or starting this, I always tell them what you told me, and it was, and it was really just, and I always repeat this to, to my listeners, too, is follow your curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, like, whenever I'm thinking about what guest am I going to have on, like, that's why that's why I love having you back on because I'm genuinely curious <laughs> in like how you think about things, how you feel about things, and so um, I hope you know that that for me you inspire me a lot, and Thanks. for I, I I hope for my listeners that for like the first couple episodes they got to know you as like you know what's going on a little bit, and then, and now they hear like <laughs> what's the heavy I'll shit my mom, my dad, on. my brother. So uh, no, but genuinely, um, <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank Thanks, you so much, Felix. You're a lovely person. I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> Ditto. Beautiful.